81%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and today's guest presenter is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On uh, today's programme, we're talking about ways to tackle inadequate housing. Over the weekend, Chief Executive John Lee visited a family of four living in a subdivided flat in Yunlong as part of an exercise to listen to public opinion ahead of next month's policy address. More than 200,000 residents are currently living in such units with the waiting time for a public housing flat currently at 5.3 years on average. We'll be talking to our guests about housing priorities, plans already in the pipeline and how further improvements could be made. After 9.45, we'll learn more about an artistic project using artificial intelligence to capture records and images of Hong Kong's heritage. Let us know uh, what you think. You can uh, join the conversation by leaving a message on our Facebook page, uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Um, joining us now on the line, we have uh, Vera Yoon, who's a lecturer in economics at the uh, Business School at the University of Hong Kong, and uh, Si Lai Shan, who's Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organisation, known as uh, SOCO for short. Um, good morning to you both. Good um, morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, um, perhaps uh, Si Lai Shan, we can uh, come to you first. Hello. Hello. Uh, good morning. Yeah. So, yeah, so John Lee, he saw for himself uh, over the weekend uh, conditions that... Um, uh, people uh, uh, have to live in in subdivided units. He said afterwards that the uh, the living space was cramped and poor. Uh, there was a family of four living in a hundred square feet. Uh, I mean, what, what kind of conditions do uh, people in subdivided units have to endure? Uh, actually, it's um, the condition is that it's very poor. Um, uh, for example, um, not only the uh, uh, as Johnny see the uh, the children, they don't have a proper space to uh, uh, do their homework, and or even some of them they cannot sleep because of too many bedbugs or rats, mosquitoes always uh, uh, around their home or or the building. And uh, you, uh, as you know, the typhoon and the uh, uh, the heavy uh, uh, rain and also um, cause problems because the building is very old, and then uh, they are uh, every. Um, when there's heavy rain, they need to uh, always uh, kind of sleep, and then uh, the water uh, drop to their uh, their home uh, and this kind of things. And some of them, if they're living in rooftop, they 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 uh, they cannot sleep because uh, they need to uh, key the water uh, from their home. Mm. Uh, some of them, even furniture, they uh, 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 cannot be used anymore. Mm. Yeah, um, and so. Uh, so that's actually affect their uh, daily living, uh, or even they can, don't have enough energy to go to work or to study. Um, so um, affect also affect their self esteem and then or even their social life. Um, they never know. Um, they, they never uh, dare to let their friends or schoolmates uh, know they are living in subdivided flat or or take them to go to home and contain them. So many problems. Mm. Yeah. 
Right. Um, and and Sila Shan, uh, the uh, John Lee's administration has already offered to build um, more transitional housing and more light public housing, but it seems that um, uh, you know the first batches uh, of these uh, uh, you know housing will be just in a few years' time. Mm. Um, it's still very long, I know. Um, do you see any? Uh, better transitional plans uh, for these uh, 200, more than 200,000 people? Uh, I think apart from uh, uh, the transitional housing and the uh, 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 night housing, um, I think the, the government, they can continue the, uh, ca- uh, the cash assistance for those family and elderly, and besides can extend to cover those non-elderly. So, um, so you're talking the, about rent subsidy yeah, uh, yeah. for they, they these families? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they, so at least some of them, if they're, they cannot find a place in the night social housing or, or transitional housing, they can uh, rent a bigger room uh, for, the, for their home. And, and besides, I think they, they should try to, uh, uh, they can uh, um, look to the, about the initial rents, uh, where they can control, have a legislation con- to control the initial rent. So if the rent is cheaper, they can, uh, they can, they're able to rent a bigger uh, home. Right. Uh, it also will be uh, good for them. And besides, I think um, the government, they can do more is about the hygiene of their building and of their, and uh, even help at their home because uh, they always say that it's your home we don't care about. But sometimes we find it's uh, it's quite hard to kill the bedbugs or the rats uh, by the home themselves. Even we have volunteered to help them, but it, it's not easy because uh, if we have a whole building or have more manpower and resources, and then can help them to kill this kind of um, problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How, how much would rent be these days? Uh, for example, you know, the chief executive went to visit a family in Yunlong. It's around 100 odd square feet. Uh, approximately they, they, how much do you think it um, costs? It would be at least uh, uh, 4000 5000 uh, uh, to rent 100 square feet. And mm. it depends on whether there's a dip or not. If there's a dip, there will be more, okay. 1000 1, more. And, yeah. and same for Sham Shui Po, I guess. Yeah, and actually now it's similar. They are not much cheaper uh, 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 from uh, Yunnan to Sham Shui Po. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, uh, Vera Yoon, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, um, last year, um, John Lee, in his first policy address, he announced that uh, uh, um, 30,000 uh, light public housing units uh, would be built uh, over five years, um, along with uh, more uh, transitional uh, housing. Um, how much of a help do you think that is going to be in alleviating the pressure? I think not in the short run. Because when I look into their schedule, they could only at best provide about 1,000 units next year. And then rest of them would come like in 2026. So it would be a longer wait. And so it's not immediate. And also, I think 30,000 is not a small number in terms of the eligible uh, population. So it's estimated there are 120,000 of these households or or units. Um, They are now in subdivided units. So it 
would be about one fourth. But I kind of think that is an underestimation because some of these are in industrial buildings. They may not be accounted for. So it would be a help, but it takes some time to wait. And it, you know, government uh, construction projects, they, they kind of have a delay. So we don't expect them to, to be on time. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're talking obviously uh, long term, medium term, um, but in terms of um, well, uh, the short term, um, are there any you know any areas that uh, the administration could be looking at? Yeah, that's the problem because they have set last year, like the first year of this government, to provide this like public housing and in fact for transitional housing is actually a drop because for some of the private land use they would be converted so some land developers have transitional housing views but they kind of want an exit plan so that part would be reduced eventually actually and if because they already said and if you're expecting him to give you even more maybe they couldn't and i think um, it's about the efficiency of um, using apartments, using flats, because like we have uh, this subdivided unit in urban areas because they are prime areas that the supply is very constrained, is very inelastic. Basically, you cannot have a lot of supply in urban areas. All the buildings are already fixed, and then there are a lot of people who want to live in urban areas. Uh, not only poor households who want to save time traveling, but you know, many other like white colors, young people, there are a lot of these people. So the problem is there are some more houses maybe very far away, but but not to, to their needs. So they would rather live in subdivided unit. So I, I think there's one report that uh, there's a subdivided unit household, they got a like, normal public housing over but then they said they would wait half a year more before moving in because they think it's too far away so they think they would like to stay in the subdivided unit before like for a longer time before they actually move in even though that's safe rent but they don't want them to be that soon. so so that's that's the location problem so it, it's about how to utilize more um apartments in the urban area in order to solve the demand for, for subdivided unit. I think one very good suggestion would be to privatize those public housing in urban area because that would use the market power to increase the utility of these houses. Nowadays, I think in general, uh, for public housing, the utilization rate is less than, uh, like one unit is used by less than one family which means it's not fully utilized. And then for uh, private housing, it's used by more than one family. It's like one point something, 1 1.2, 1.3, 1.1. It's not only used by one family. So you can see the difference in utilization rate. And you know it's because public housing is not marketized. And I think they, they really could think of, um, I don't know, selling the unit to the owners and if, if they don't want to buy it, you move them to another public housing unit so that you can sell the whole building whatever and then they would be fully utilized they there would be ways for people to think of like how to um use the units and then the rent would be brought down and then and i think nowadays even for subdivided unit they're just too expensive like for my experience it's it's like 
it could a more decent one could go like eight thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars. So it, for, and then for, for the whole for, apartment, uh, they have, yeah. they have lower very rent. Good. So, Those would be for, as you said, the white collar workers, the young ones who would like to uh, uh, not stay with their family and live alone, uh, probably quite near their offices. Is that right? Yes. The, the, the more expensive subdivided flats. True. I mean, if you still want to find some, there are some 3,000 and 4,000 ones. But yeah, there's still some of them like these right. in the market. So, so, so what would you get for eight, you know, uh, you mentioned $8,000, $10,000 a month. How, what, what, what kind of space would you expect? It's like um, 150 to 200 mm. Mm square meters but it doesn't look it doesn't sound that large and then when you look into it it's not large at all and then i mean those landowners could charge this price and then set this as a benchmark so it it kind of makes it um it it, it makes it better to rent those normal apartments especially uh like during the COVID time the price has gone down However, when they said they are trying to get more talents in Hong Kong, I think they're going to bid up prices again. So it, I, it's a bad news. I mean, subdivided unit, even for the low tier, middle tier, high tier, they, they have never been cheaper. The rent never have gone down. Mm -hmm. uh, Sila Shan, what about social housing? I mean, uh, the predecessor of these transitional housing would be social housing where, mm. uh, you know, you find a vacant block and you build these uh, apartments within uh, three to six months. Uh, mm. I think uh, SoCo has operated a number of them. I'm not sure. Is there value in, uh, in doing more of this social housing? Yeah, I think it's, it's good for those uh, people they move in uh, social housing, uh, because the, uh, the, the, the pace, uh, the, the structure or all the things is decent and, uh, um, they have a, a very safe, uh, pace, uh, and then, um, they, the, the range is stable and lower the, than the uh, subdivided flat and, uh, uh, um, the tenancy also is uh, stable. So are we, we uh we have uh the the people people move in they 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 said they're very happy the only worry is uh uh if before they go to public housing they will be <coughs> they will be evicted or not so they they concern about how long the transitional house social housing can be run and then can be then they uh, be allowed to live uh, until they move to public housing mm. But um, according to my understanding, the government is not trying to expand the plan for these very quick uh, mm. social housing developments. Is it correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they just transit their plan to, to as a light public housing, I think. So total now is uh, including transitional housing and the light public housing is uh, total is uh, 1,500, up to 50,000. Um, so of course, compared to those uh, over... Uh, 112,000 uh, households, they're still uh, 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 not enough. So uh, actually we can, um, if we have a small name in in, uh, in urban area, we can develop more, I think. Because mm -hmm. I think new territory, there will be, uh, now is enough. Um, and, and they also, they need to assist, have, provide more subsidy for those people to move to a new territory. Mm -hmm. Because 
their children study in urban area, they, they work in there. So if they move to new territory, uh, it's, they, they need really to, to pay costs for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the, the, the family cannot afford it, so uh, they need to change school, they need to change job. Uh, it's quite a lot of things they need to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Sila Shan, you were suggesting that the government uh, uh, introduce a timeline to reduce the number of subdivided flats uh, over the next uh, 10 to 20 years. But um, obviously, I think they, they, yeah. should, they should have a timetable mm-hmm. uh, how to uh, 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 get rid of uh, this kind of uh, uh, poor conditions. Mm. So uh, we, I think we can see in, within five years they cannot have uh, too much on there. After five years, they can gradually to uh, replace this kind of uh, poor, for example, the best space cage home, cubicles, and mm. poor condition as a divider effect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but if the demand is there, then, um, you know, it is really just up to the landlord to continue to subdivide flats. Originally, there were just a few, and I remember yeah, that, um, uh, you know, in Wan Chai, in Shenwan, and also in, um, in um, Mong Kok, in Cham Shui Po, you know, you, you began to see a lot of subdivided flats because of demand. I think it uh, depends on whether the government, they provide enough choice for the people. If the public housing increased, the supply increased a lot, and the social housing increased a lot, and they have many choices, they will not choose to live in subdivided flat. And uh, if the government, they have uh, provide rent uh, allowance for them, they can uh, rent a, a bigger room, not, not this. And uh, once the, the the assistance of the public housing or like, uh, housing or those uh, uh, rents of stay ready, I think the government, they can consider to have uh, legislation to control or even to order cause of this of the uh, threat. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, Vera Yoon. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Lee said that uh, supply of land and housing will remain the government's long-term focus. So, what kind of measures relating to that would you expect to see in next month's policy address? Um, I think they got a problem in selling land these days. So they couldn't make enough revenue for the government. I mean, that that's one of the worries. Mm. So that means the government, in the short run, it will be fine because we got a lot of research. But there's the worry that in the long run, you, when you cannot make enough to balance the budget, then um, what could you do? Because it's kind of a conflicting goal that they have to resolve. Because when they want to, say, provide affordable housing, then it's not only for the like grassroots, but also middle class. They they want um, the housing price to to be more moderate. But mm. when you do such thing, then you don't got enough revenue, and then you don't have enough revenue to finance these public housing projects. Mm. So uh, I don't know what could they do about it. I I, I still cannot see a long term solution in terms of it. Right. Uh, what, what about Sila Shan's suggestion that instead of, you know, just continue to build new flats, uh, we should look into uh, more measures, more stringent measures to improve or to order the improvement of older flats? So, uh, for example, I think the buildings department should have mm. the authority to order repairs um, and should not allow the old buildings to fall into disrepair. 
Uh, do you think this sort of um, measure could also help to improve and at least, uh, you know, improve the hygiene conditions and all yeah, sorts of yeah, conditions? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think they should you have mean a, private yeah. buildings. Yeah, private buildings. Yeah. Very in. What What are your thoughts? And actually, many old buildings actually they no management, or no corp, corporate owner owner corporate. So I think the government they should more active to to help those building uh, the hygiene, the the structure, okay, yes. the um, and yes, yes, very, actually yeah. this yeah. this this actually goes into the regulation of housing. And then I think there are many cases in different cities that have this kind of um, more stringent regulation. And then what happens is that first they have to evacuate the building, which means they would have to kick away the tenants, which Silaishan is currently serving. Mm. And then because they have put in um, course money into renovation and then they would rent it out later in new renovation with a high rent because your rent would reflect the quality. So that means all the apartments would be more expensive, including subdivided units. So mm. I don't know whether it's good for Sila Shen's client into renting like better renovated but more expensive subdivided units. Sila mm. Shen? I think it depends on uh, uh, if there are some uh, very old building, can the government just uh, uh, not charge they, they just do uh, to help, but they don't need to charge the their owner if if there is a, the whole building is oh, actually there are many buildings there are whole building almost the subdivided flat. Mm-hmm. So because if they charge them, they will charge the the, the tenant. No, it's not yeah, about yeah. who is being charged. It's about the quality. So the owners will pocket that money and they will rent it out at a higher rate. Do you mm-hmm. do you get what I mean? Uh, I think they they also because now we have the rent control, so the tenancy they cannot stop uh, immediately or they uh, in short term because now it's uh, almost it's four years term. So yeah, and besides, if we have at the same time with some other housing, public like housing, they can choose to move in. So um, if less demand and then the 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 landlord cannot increase. So much as uh, they want, and then we also can control better. We can have the legislation on control of the uh, initial rent. So you have this kind yeah, of. Uh, yeah, but, but the problem mm. is that rent control ordinance um, is like you can get it at most four year and then kick them a rate, right? Yeah. So it's still the max is four year, and then I don't know whether you can kick them away because you want to do renovation. I, I don't remember, but it's no, like think, if it's no, no, for redevelopment, the building, then you can take Building renovation, you don't need to to move out people unless you. Uh, so uh, you uh, mean it's not within the flat? It's just the building. I think the building uh, is already cause some problems because some of them is. Yeah, the, but the, that means you are not improving if, uh, the environment. If, it's only uh, the public area. I think the if, environment. If the interior of the apartments need to be re- yeah. renovated, then. But I think the yeah. government they will not. Order them to 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 to, but I think the uh, the uh, uh, structure they have to take care of. Yeah. Mm. So um, these, I mean, I think, what, uh, it's in conflict what you said, right? So just you cannot kick them away because they have to like you can't increase the rent because of the ordinance, but you want them to be kicked away so they can be better. Of so uh, yes, and, and actually, I think we can do that if the government and uh, uh, 
the order, make them to move away, and can people take move to transitional housing? The first priority, something like that, we can do that actually. So, Vera, uh, in the city of Seoul in Korea, I have actually seen examples of uh, the government stepping in uh, to order uh, repair of certain flats uh, for migrant workers so that they live in a better hygiene condition. And um, the money doesn't go directly to the landlord, so he cannot pocket it, uh, but it works. So do you think this could apply to Hong Kong as well, Vera? No, it's not about who pocket it. It's about, like, somebody would pay the cost, and then that apartment or the unit will be rented out at a market price. And if it's a better unit, it's higher market price, that's it. So it doesn't have to go to the landlord's pocket, because it's landlord's property that you have improved that it has better ability to get more rent. Okay, uh, I think we're going to have to bring uh, this part of the conversation to a close. I know uh, both of our uh, guests uh, have to uh, leave us at this point. Um, uh, that was uh, Vera Yoon. You heard a lecturer in economics at uh, Hong Kong University uh, Business School and Sila Shan, Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organisation. Um, when we come back uh, after the break, uh, we'll be joined by uh, Jason Leung of the uh, Hong Kong uh, Foundation to uh, continue our conversation on the same topic. A quick look at the weather before we take a break for a new summary and some announcements. Uh, mainly fine today, apart from a few showers, uh, hot top temperature around 32 degrees in the urban areas a couple of degrees higher in the new territories the outlook uh, very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days and a few showers towards the end of the week currently it is 29 degrees humidity is at 78 percent and here's a news summary from barry o'rourke Lawmaker Johnny Ung says he hopes authorities can publish a watch list of cryptocurrency exchanges that operate in Hong Kong without a licence, as well as those that are applying for one. He praised regulations introduced in June for crypto exchanges, but says he fears some platforms may be misusing the one-year grace period to apply for a licence. World leaders meeting at the United Nations have warned that global attempts to end extreme poverty and tackle climate change are going in reverse. They said Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, agreed by UN member states in 2015 were, as they put it, in peril. And the US military has found debris from the stealth fighter jet which vanished over South Carolina on Sunday after the pilot ejected amid a so-called mishap. In a statement, officials said the debris was located in Williamsburg County, two hours northeast of Joint Base Charleston. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The bank wants me to click this link to confirm a transfer... It says my membership points are about to expire. Do I need to click this link and input my credit card information to redeem rewards? Banks and major merchants have committed not to send hyperlinks via instant electronic messages to ask for personal and credit card information. Don't be tricked. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority reminds you, protect your personal digital keys. Beware of fraudulent links. Crossing the road is a bit like playing chess. You need to be careful and smart. Don't jaywalk and cross between parked vehicles. Be attentive, look around and listen. For safety reasons, you must use the crossing facilities even if you have to walk further. Follow traffic rules and be aware of traffic conditions. Avoid walking into or staying in the blind spots of large vehicles. Mr. David reminds you, keep your cool on the road, stay alert, stay alive. 
You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And this morning we're talking about uh, ways to improve uh, housing conditions, uh, particularly uh, at the lower end for people uh, living in subdivided units. Uh, uh, we're joined now by uh, Jason Leung, who's a public policy analyst for land and housing research with the uh, Hong Kong Foundation. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Jason Lowe, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, we were talking uh, before 9.30 about, uh, for instance, uh, uh, John Lee's uh, plan to build 30,000 light public housing flats, which was announced in last year's policy address um, between uh, 2023 and um, 2027, I believe, and also um, more, another 20,000 uh, transi transitional homes, uh, and also the possibility of uh, legislation maybe to uh, improve conditions in some of these uh, uh, public, uh, uh, div sorry, divided um, uh, spaces which are in poor condition. Uh, what do you think, where do you stand on this, and what, what measures do you think we might see in this year's policy address? Right. Um, I think uh, the administration has announced last year the uh, Black Public Housing Program, which is, of course, a significant improvement mm. uh, uh, on the future five years uh, in terms of public housing supply. Well, my view on uh, how to you know, improve the situation regarding these uh, subdivided units, uh, there are actually two approaches, right, uh, focusing on public housing supply. The first is on new stock. Um, like you said, you know, the administration has promised uh, 30,000 uh, like public housing units. But uh, if we look at the state permanent or traditional public housing units, um, uh, according to our research and also uh, the report that we published earlier this year, we found that in the past 10 years, there has actually been a delay of 16% in terms of public housing completions. 16%, meaning one six, uh, every 100 units, 16, uh, yeah. 16 units uh, have been delayed. So we think that these delays must be addressed effectively in order to uh, address the problem. In fact, over the past 10 years, this delay has led to a shortfall of 120,000 public housing units, which is uh, uh, more than uh, the entire uh, supply of subdivided units in Hong Kong. Yeah. Because according to the 2021 population census, there are only about 108,000 subdivided units in Hong Kong. Had the government built these units on time, it would be more than enough to cover for these uh, subdivided units. Mm -hmm. So in terms of um, uh, new supply of uh, public housing, that's the first. We must uh, work to minimize the delays and of course increase the supply. That's the first thing. Second thing is on the existing stock. Now it takes time to build public housing, right? Um, the a typical uh, construction cycle takes about uh, four to five years. And uh, we are talking about solving the subdivided units problem in the medium term. And another way to do so is to utilize the existing public housing stock. However, what we see is that the uh, turnover rates in uh, public rental housing units for the past 10 years is less than 1%, meaning that for every 100 units, only one 
uh, changed hands every year. So uh, if you compare that to, say, uh, private housing units, the turnover rate is somewhere between 5%. Mm -hmm. So that's a very big difference. So we have to look at ways to enhance the circulation of public rental housing units, because if not, these people are stuck in the housing ladder. They are not moving upwards. So uh, the people living in subdivided units will never get a chance to move into uh, these public rental housing units. For example, one way to do so is to give more incentives for uh, you know, current public housing residents to move out of their units. Uh, one of the ways that we are doing so right now is through uh, building the green form subsidized housing and also the house, uh, a home ownership uh, units. But if you look at the uh, units completed in recent years, these are very often small units, which are roughly you know, equal or sometimes even smaller in size compared to the existing uh, public rental housing units that, uh, that these people are saying right now. So where's the incentive for them to move out from their existing units? If I'm already, say, for example, staying in a 200 uh, square feet units and uh, the new green form subsidized housing or home ownership scheme units uh, of the same size, and I still have to pay a huge lump sum to purchase a unit, then what's the incentive? Might as well I stay in my existing unit and pay a cheap rent, right? So in future, uh, public housing units, especially subsidized housing units, we will encourage the government to consider building larger size units so that there can be more incentives for these residents to move out so that the entire housing ladder can get moving again, utilize the existing uh, public rental housing stocks. Mm -hmm. um, at the end, this, these subdivided uh, units, these people living in subdivided units, can also enjoy and move along the housing ladder. But like you say, that uh, delay in completion over the last 10 years, uh, resulting in a shortfall of uh, 120,000 public housing units, um, um, uh, that could have solved the problem. Uh, you know, if there are only uh, 108, 110,000 subdivided units, then uh, uh, pr presumably there would be no more need for them if uh, those public rental units had all been completed on time. Yep, uh, mm. but of course that's on the arithmetic side. Mm. Now, um, just now I talked about two you know, short to medium term measures that can be uh, uh, taken. But then there's also a long-term consideration, and that is to tackle the deep-rooted uh, cause behind these subdivided units. Um, like you said, well, if we completed all the uh, 120,000 units on time, theoretically, we can house all of these residents in the subdivided units. But do take note that there is a geographical difference. Right? Most of the new uh, public housing units constructed or newly constructed, they are located in the new territories. But uh, if we look at, again, figures from the uh, 2021 population census, uh, although uh, more than half of Hong Kong's population stay uh, in the new territories, most of the working or job opportunities are still in the metro area, right, in Hong Kong and Kowloon. So even if you offer some of these uh, residents in subdivided units, say uh, unit, uh, public rental housing units in the new territories, they will be unwilling to move because their jobs are still in the urban areas. Their children are going to schools in the urban areas. So moving to a new territories will mean, you know, not only longer traveling time, but also higher transport costs, mm -hmm. which very often they are very uh, reluctant to do so. 
And that is why for the longer term, we must address the fundamental problem of the uh, home job imbalance in Hong Kong, whereby, you know, by creating more job opportunities in the new territories, we will um, give the residents more incentives to relocate from the existing urban areas to the new territories. Now, that is the fundamental way to which we can uh, tackle the problem of subdivided units. Right. Um, Jason Lang, thank you for your very um, interesting analysis. Uh, on existing stock, um, I was wondering that during COVID, uh, we did build uh, very quickly some transitional housing, um, like those uh, opposite the um, cruise terminal. Um, could that be used for short-term transitional housing? Well, uh, of course, that will uh, help to a uh, certain extent. But uh, like you said, um, this the transitional housing project uh, is targeted to be a temporary solution. Uh, what we've heard from these families is that they are afraid that if you know they move in to these units, they live for two to three years, and at the end they are still unable to get on to public rental housing. They will have to incur another large cost of moving their homes. And also having to, you know, maybe change schools and uh, finding new jobs closer to their homes again. So, well, while some people would like to move into this transitional housing, some of them are still, um, you know, adopting a wait and see attitude. So that is why I emphasize just now that the uh, supply of public rental housing, no matter if it's uh, new or existing stock, has to be mobilized to tackle the problem more effectively. Mm. You, you mentioned that uh, uh, we, we could have more incentives to uh, boost the turnover of uh, uh, the public housing unit occupancy, which is, you say, is about one percent. Is that one percent a year at the moment of people uh, people moving out? Did you? Yep, say, did that's you right. so, 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 what kind of incentives do you think uh, would be effective? Well, firstly, like I said just now, it's about moving people along the housing ladder, moving them from yeah. uh, public rental housing to uh, uh, home ownership scheme or mm. green form subsidized housing. Uh, These uh, measures will actually be, you know, say swapping a unit for another one. So they will give back yeah. their uh, public rental housing units to mm. uh, those people in need. But that well, has to be more way, financially attractive, right? Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why, you know, uh, you can see that the newly constructed subsidized housing units, they're actually packed to the uh, affordability of Hong Kong people rather than, you know, uh, the housing prices. So you can see uh, the discounts uh, offered to people every year actually varies. So that is uh, tied to the affordability. Uh, and another second way to do so is to, you know, uh, uh, encourage those people who have a change in family conditions to move uh, to units that are more, more suitable. For example, if uh, they have children who have grown up and uh, they have mo uh, moved out of their homes, then these people can be encouraged to move uh, to a smaller unit. Uh, this can be done through, say, offering them a cheaper rent. Or, for example, in existing programs, uh, the elderly, uh, they have been offered uh, even at no rent for them to move from their existing larger units to some smaller units. Uh, this, you know, uh, of course, some of them may be reluctant because they are used to uh, living in their existing district. 
but then uh, the housing authority was uh, uh, been more flexible in terms of offering, say, uh, smaller units in the same district and uh, so so on and so forth. But of course, this is a long process because getting people to uh, move is not easy. Uh, but still, we have to start in order to again kickstart the uh, movement along the housing ladder. Right. On, on this point, I, I actually very much agree with you. I, I think there needs to be more more of a market uh, for these subsidized flats. But as you know, you know, a typical family of, say, you know, parents in the early 50s and two children who are already um, graduated from university and having decent jobs, uh, but they're still staying in, in a typical public housing flat uh, and they don't really have any incentive to move. Uh, actually, the two children uh, would have earned enough uh, to to move out themselves, but um, you know th- this is actually um, quite quite an issue. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this. Yes, and we do see that the uh, government is actually considering uh, stricter uh, monitoring and also uh, controls to uh, get the flows moving again. For example. Uh, the uh, checks on their, uh, you know, uh, financial balances, you know, there is now only about uh, once every ten years after they moved in. Well, the government is actually considering uh, changing it to, you know, uh, more frequent occurrences. That's the first point. Second point is that uh, for elderly uh, uh, that are that have reached sixty, they are they basically can stay put in their existing homes until they pass away. Now the government is considering to move these uh, limits from 60 to 65, right? So along with the new retirement age. So these are the different ways that the government is considering to uh, really kickstart again the uh, movement along the housing ladder. And I and I do agree that these measures have been taken, especially when uh, these uh, resources are so in demand, so that we we need to ensure that these resources go to the people in need. Right. On on another aspect, um, you know, before the news break, we did mention about improvement of older buildings. Uh, actually, most subdivided flats, are, uh, you know, have uh, uh, not so good conditions in hygiene and etc. Um, what could be some of the measures? Uh, for example, the Urban Renewal Authority, could they step in and um, order the landlord to do certain repairs? So at least while waiting for public housing to be built, uh, these subdivided flat tenants uh, could um, have a slightly better living condition. Well, of course, that is one of the uh, ways that we can consider. Uh, in fact, there have been uh, incidents of, you know, uh, sprawling concrete uh, over the past few months. And you can see that the buildings department has uh, taken emergency measures to uh, repair some of these buildings. But uh, one of the issues that you see is that despite uh, quite a lot of these maintenance orders that the buildings department has issued to these uh, uh, landlords of these uh, old buildings, uh, most of them have not been, uh, have not seen action being taken. So while one, we, we do uh, see that it's possible to enhance the uh, enforcement actions, uh, but secondly, the, the government can also consider you know, really uh, taking matters into their own hands and uh, stepping in to uh, conduct repairs when necessary and then charging uh, the landlords after uh, carrying out the necessary maintenance works. But of course, uh, under the current situation, this will take quite a bit of uh, calls and I'm not sure if the government is really uh, willing to do so. Um, 
but of course the best way is still for the landlords to undertake these repairs themselves. So some of these uh, uh, regulations could consider to be tightened uh, to give them uh, more, give them more of a push factor to do so. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for sharing your insights with us there. That's uh, uh, Jason Leung, a public policy analyst for land and housing research uh, with the Our Hong Kong Foundation. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Michael Tien, Roundtable Legislator. I want to congratulate RTHK on its uh, 95th birthday. And I've always been a fan of RTHK. I think over the years they've done a very good job balancing the needs of citizens to have transparency and factual use. So I congratulate them and I believe that they will continue to do the same. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last part of this morning's programme, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a somewhat different topic. Uh, we're turning our attention uh, to an artistic project uh, which is using artificial intelligence uh, to capture the records and images um, of uh, Hong Kong's heritage, uh, uh, specifically um, very old and picturesque and architecturally important uh, shops around the territory. To hear more about it, we're now joined by uh, Kachi Chan, who's an assistant professor at uh, Hong Kong uh, Baptist University um, in the uh, Academy of uh, Visual Arts, I believe. Uh, Kachi Chan, good morning. Good morning. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this sounds, sounds like a, a very interesting uh, project. Um, um, would you uh, like to tell us more and um, what, was the, what was the idea behind it? Of course, yeah. Um, actually, at the core of the project is uh, to build an archive of the traditional small business in Hong Kong because um, as you may uh, rock around Hong Kong you may notice some uh, very uh, beautiful traditional stores in Hong Kong and like back to seven or eight years ago my project partner Pat she was sketching around the city and then she has built an, a, a nice relationship with those uh, shop owners and then uh, they allowed Pat to draw their own shops and then and then from that moment we try to we wanted to build an archive for them because as you may know uh, and Hong Kong is a very fast paced city and they are disappearing very quickly like uh, we have actually uh, sketched around 80 shops already but uh, over the last uh, seven or eight years but I, I think almost half of them has disappeared. Mm. So we want to do something about it. And Sorry, it disappeared because uh, of rede redevelopment, is it? Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Mm. And there are so many ways we can document those shops, but um, but as an artist, we like some people may do some writing and then some photography or videography. But uh, Pat's, uh, based on, from Pat's and my practice, we want to do something different. Uh, Myself as a digital artist, uh, we are thinking, is there a way we can combine community and also technology together to 
to better preserve those uh, uh, beautiful shops in Hong Kong. Mm, okay, and tell us how yeah. tell us how the uh, uh, the AI element comes into it. Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, we give uh, the shop owners a very um, simple brief to them, like we just pass them a three sixty camera, and then we ask them. Um, uh, hey, could you just uh, walk around your own store like your, what you did uh, as your routine? Or if there is a specific corner you you, you like to um, specially be captured, uh, you can just hold your the, the 360 camera there for, for a while. And then after they have captured their own stores, uh, I would take the uh, 360 capture and then I do some processing. Uh, it's called nerve uh, neural radiance field. Um, it's like something like a something like photogrammetry that you can just uh, uh, create a 3D virtual 3D space, a digital 3D space out of uh, just images or footages. So then we have built. Uh, so then we have created. Uh, a 3D point cloud for each stop, uh, each shop, shops. A point cloud means, uh, you know, in 3D world, it, there is just uh, there is just points and then edges and then also faces, and then we just take the points and then that each store contains two millions to four millions points. So we think, uh, oh, this is really interesting because the points are just really simple representation. Uh, it just re recalls the uh, the position data of of the store and also the um, uh, the color data of it. So we think, oh, it's pretty much like our human DNA, right? It's um, uh, in human DNA, it's just four characters. It represents the whole human body. And then we feel like these point clouds are um, also the DNA of those stores. Yeah. Right. Um, this is uh, a, sounds like a fascinating project. Now, uh, we, we all know that uh, different artists and different historians have tried to preserve, um, you know, with images and with different kinds of uh, technological support, yeah. uh, the, the different shops. Uh, in fact, you know, old Hong Kong streets, old Hong Kong neighborhoods. And I mm. still remember that the Hong Kong History Museum used to have a story of Hong Kong. Um, mm. section with uh, like streetscape and, and different sceneries. Now, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, uh, with technology, we actually don't need to build a set, you know, showing, oh, this is uh, Queen's Road Central in um, mm -hmm. 1920. But um, mm -hmm. tell us, what, what could you do with this new technology? Could you, like, um, reproduce, um, uh, like, 1960s Hong Kong in addition to different shops? And, uh, and how could the public benefit from your uh, visual research? Um, well, thank you for the question. That's a very inspiring, interesting question. Um, from from our projects, uh, we just we are doing some like a three D scan of the old shops. Um, so, uh, what's different between other media is like a three D scan. That means you can uh, you can just drag and then navigate around 
uh, with your 3D model, you can just uh, go inside and then zoom in and zoom out. It's like um, it's like a real object in front of you, but it's just inside the screen. Mm-hmm. I think that better captures the whole space of that old stores rather than um, when compared to some 2D media like videos or photography. Um, they have their beauty here, but um, they may be very discreet uh, because you, in like in photography, you can just uh, capture one a particular angle of it, uh, while in video you can just uh, same. You can just capture a particular angle, or you have to add, do a lot of editing to put pieces together. While uh, with a three D model, you can just see the whole thing mm-hmm. all in once. Yeah, and there's a, an exhibition uh, including this work at the at the Fringe Club at the moment. Is that right? Or yeah. has it finished? Um, yeah, it's finishing today finishing at seven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that exhibition is interesting because um, this time we're we're thinking, oh, we can do something sarcastically, like we are acting ourselves like a property developer. Oh no, no, a property agency. But what we are trying to sell is the memory of uh, the memory of yes. these uh, traditional old stores. We try to let people think about uh, uh, what's the value, what's the value, uh, what 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 does this value mean to us, and then mean to Hong Kong or mean to the economy uh, under this uh, rapid development of Hong Kong. And then, um, okay, yeah, yeah, so the Fringe Club exhibition closes today, uh, but then it's all still available online. Yeah, of course. Uh, Actually, like I just said earlier, uh, we are trying to build an archive. We want to to, uh, uh, expand this project. We don't watch, you don't want to just uh, do it for once. Mm. We want to sustain it. So we have an online archive, and for the online archive, you can just uh, play around with those 3D models, and then you can also see some of our collaborators, uh, their writers. They write something about their relationship with that stores, and then we also have some sketches of, uh, of Pat. She drew um, like a few years ago uh, when she was. Uh, doing a sketching of that store and then how she built up the relationship with the shop owners and then so on and so forth. So for public access, is there a, a web address to go to? Yeah, it's um, www.fore-scen.com, for scene.com. Okay. All right. That's great. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us on the program this morning and uh, explaining that uh, to us. Uh, uh, that was uh, Kachi Chan, assistant professor uh, of the from the uh, Academy of Visual Arts at Hong Kong Baptist University. Um, thank you to our listeners. Um, thank you to our guest presenter, Ada Wong. Thank you, Jim. And thanks to our our producer, uh, Raphael. So stay with us because we have a news summary coming up, followed by Brunch with Noreen.